Hey everybody, this is the last day of our member drive today. Member drive is always such a, <laughs> such a interesting week. Uh, interesting, maybe in air quotes. It's a, it's a stressful week. It's a week that we build up to uh, twice a year. And, uh, you know, th there's a little bit of, and I've said this in the past, there's a little bit of, uh, of, uh, you know, us kind of exposing ourselves uh, to the world that, uh, you know, just gives you a little bit of apprehension. You know, do people appreciate what we're doing? Do they care? Um, and you have, I mean, uh, this has been uh, up to this point of a very successful member drive. We still have a ways to go. We still have things to do. Um, but for those of you that have gone and, and signed up uh, to become a member of Strong Towns, I just, you know, I'll start this by saying thank you. Um, the last day of our member drive this week, we wanted to talk about what success looks like. And, you know, when, when I think of success, we, we've actually had this discussion internally, you know, what, what does a, what does a strong town look like? Like what does success ultimately look like? And, and I said, and, and we actually kind of adopted this as our kind of framing our messaging internally to me, a strong town is where a person can lead a good life in a prosperous place is where someone can lead a good life in a place that is prosperous, a, a place that has a certain amount of stability that is uh, getting better, improving uh, where the, the work that is done to make it better actually matters and, and resonates to me. That's, that's what prosperity looks like. I, I think that we will, have strong towns when we can live a good life and live it in a prosperous place. Right now, it's kind of difficult sometimes to imagine what that looks like. You know, we've been going through this global pandemic now, coronavirus, and, you know, all the public health implications that go along with that. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, sure everyone listening to this has people who are in vulnerable demographics who they have concern for. Um, you know, I have, my parents are in their uh, late sixties. My in-laws are in their late seventies. Um, I've got one of them that has a, a heart condition. Uh, another one of them that just has, you know, lifelong uh, problems dealing with uh, complications of polio. And, you know, I, I fall into high risk categories, all of them, some more so than others. Uh, we have neighbors and friends, uh, our, our sweet neighbor uh, left a couple weeks ago or, or was, um, was moved a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had this wonderful couple that lived next to us. And uh, last summer, um, the, the husband uh, was diagnosed with cancer and actually passed away in November. So very, very quick. Um, you know, one day he's out in doing the yard and, and then, you know, we don't see him for a while and he's, uh, you know, very, very sick and he passed very quickly. Um, his wife, our neighbor, a dear sweet woman, um, has struggled with, uh, pre Alzheimer's, I think is what you would call it. Um, I don't know the exact diagnosis of what she has, but she's struggled with memory loss and, uh, all of the complications that come along with that as a neighbor. Um, we've gotten to know her. She's uh, like I said, a wonderful person. There's a limit to what, you know, neighbors can do in a situation like that. Um, 
you know, uh, especially when you feel like you can't go to the door now and you can't uh, talk to her the way that I, I had been because I, you know, am, am distancing. I, I, she's a very vulnerable in a very vulnerable age group. And I, I want to respect that. Um, but you know, her family struggles with this too. And in the last couple of weeks, she's gotten moved to a, 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 you know, memory care facility or something of that sort. Uh, you know, one of the places that incidentally are kind of a hotbed for coronavirus right now. So all of us, I guess, is my point. We're, we're, we're all struggling with this in many dimensions, the public health side of this. You, you layer on that the economic side of this, uh, which, you know, if you've been fortunate enough to not lose your job, uh, if you've been fortunate enough to not have a, a spouse or a close family member lose their job, uh, you know, most of, of those groups, which, you know, are, are, are the lucky ones among us, um, are still dealing with some type of anxiety. Uh, you know, uh, how is my uh, position going to be? Is this going to be funded into the future? Do I have enough savings? Do, can, can I, am I going to be able to put my kids through college? Are there even going to be colleges, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a year from now? What, what is that whole landscape going to look like? What is, what is the future? I, I think we all have a certain amount of anxiety around, you know, the idea that, you know, are we entering another Great Depression? Um, what, what are the costs, social, cultural, uh, financial of, you know, the, the current set of economic policies? Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've struggled as a nation, as a culture with economic disparity. Uh, that is getting worse by the, by the minute, quite frankly. Uh, how are we going to deal with this? I mean, there's a lot of anxiety around this. Um, you know, t today uh, is reported all these uh, dams uh, breaking in Michigan. And, you know, you have this long list of over 150 dams that are in critical condition. And, you know, you, you kind of look and it's, it's one of these, like, I remember a few weeks back when the, uh, the murder hornets or something came out. And, uh, you know, overblown, but it hit at the right time. And, you know, my kids were like, oh, there's going to be murder hornets out. Um, you know, it's, it's like you know, the, 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 you know, the, the continuing plagues hitting us. Like what, what more can we take? And you're kind of like primed for, yeah, okay, now dams are going to start breaking. And, uh, you know, there's not just two that are going to go. There's, there's, you know, 150, there's, there's way more than we'll ever have budget to go fix. Uh, are going bad. And this is just in one state. There's dams in every state. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't counting that as one of the calamities. Now I got to deal with that too. What's next? What's next? You know, I, I, I personally step back and look at state budgets and just recognize that cities like mine are going to have a disaster next year. Um, we have huge debt payments that are due uh, that we have promised to make. Um, yet a huge percentage of our budget is money from the state, money that I don't think in any reasonable scenario we should expect to see next year. Um, you know, on top of that, just to maintain, just to, you know, make up what we've lost, uh, you know, at the state level, at the, at the uh, local level, where we can't print our own money, where we can't run perpetual deficits that we don't plan to pay back, where we have to actually pay the bills. Uh, we're stretched thin. We have very little savings. In my hometown, we have extremely low savings. Um, where's this money going to come from? Are we going to raise taxes on everybody? On, on the, you know, uh, I, I live in a very poor place. 
uh, with, you know, before this, some of the highest unemployment in the state, certainly now, uh, it, you know, it's turning into a disaster. Are, are we going to then on top of that, raise taxes on everybody to try to cover these gaps? If we don't, what does that mean? If we do, what does that mean? Th- there's a ton of tension here. There's a ton of unknowns. And, you know, I, I step out and, and look and see, you know, cities um, right now, uh, the ones with sales tax are getting hammered hard. Uh, the ones with property tax will be on a little bit more of a delay. Uh, but it's hard to imagine 2021 not being an absolute brutal year for cities. And, you know, I, I will say this now, I'm, I'm not trying to make a, a prediction uh, in terms of, you know, some type of, of hot take kind of call. But it's, it's hard for me to see us getting through 2021 without a number of municipalities declaring bankruptcy, like actually entering into a bankruptcy process. And it's hard for me to see the next four or five years elapsing without many, many, many cities going through that type of a process. I know, you know, I'm, I'm turning around here looking at my bookshelf. I got Meredith Whitney's book where she called back in the mid 2000s for, you know, a certain number of municipalities are going to go bankrupt. And it was her hot take. And it, it turned out to not be true. Maybe it won't be true this time either. Um, it's hard for me to see how it wouldn't be. And, you know, I, I talked a while back about my starting a garden as a, a way to kind of hedge my, uh, hedge my downside risk on something I consider improbable, but, but not impossible. Uh, I don't think cities going bankrupt is going to be an improbable thing. I think it's more likely than not. We will see. We will see. Um, but there's a ton of tension out there, right? We're, we're a long ways from what a, a good life in a prosperous place seems like. You know, or are we? Or are we? And, and this is what I want you to think about as we close out this member drive week, as we talk about what it means to be successful as a movement. I'm a Catholic. Hang with me because I'm not going to get all you know, religious on you here. Uh, I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm not a very good Catholic. I struggle with my Catholicism. I struggle to be a good Catholic. Um, there's a lot of things that, uh, that you have to do as a Catholic that I struggle to, to do. Um, there's a lot of uh, ways that I, uh, I, I wish I was a, a better person. I wish I was a, a better Catholic um, I wish I was a better human being. Um, when I look at, at uh, my religious faith, my beliefs, um, there is kind of an underlying uh, belief in Catholicism that, that really comes from Judaism, uh, you know, where, where Catholicism had its start, uh, that looks at the world as, you know, God's creation. And as God's creation, it is meant to be perfect. Um, the world as a creation of God is, is meant to be a place that is ultimately perfect. Now it, it's far from perfect. It's not right. Like we can, we can look back and we can see like, you know, if God meant for this to be perfect and God is omnipotent, um, what, what did he do? He, he screwed up here, right? Like, like something, something, something went wrong with that theory. Like it's not working out. Um, but as Catholics, and, and again, this, this comes really from Judaism, uh, there is a belief that, you know, it's not perfect today. Like, we understand that. Um, there's hardship. There's poverty. There's people that go without. Um, there's, you know, sickness, uh, war, oppression. There are, there are all these things. 
uh, that, that keep it from being the perfect place that it's supposed to be. What's our role in this? We're supposed to work to make it perfect, right? We are supposed to work. And, and, and I think, you know, we can leave the theology out of it if we want to go into theology. The idea behind Judaism, the idea behind Catholicism, uh, and I apologize if, if there are other religions I am, I am ignorant of that have the same type of belief. I'm sure there are. Uh, the idea behind the two that I am most familiar with is that we would be expected to work with God to bring about a better world, to bring about a better place, to make this place perfect. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is, in a sense, to do the work. We are to get up every day and to work to make the world a better place. There's a there's a Jewish there's a saying that comes from Judaism that I've I've misquoted many times. I actually went and got the quote today because I wanted to say it right. Um, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know what what the context is, and I apologize to all of our Jewish listeners for being ignorant of your faith. Uh, I, I wish I was not. Um, but I, I found this saying beautiful, and I found it, you know, applies to uh, my Catholicism uh, just as well. It, it goes like this. It is not your responsibility to finish the work of perfecting the world, but you are not free to desist from it either. In other words, you don't have to finish this. You don't have to reach perfection. Like, there's no expectation on any of us that we are going to create uh, perfection. We are going to create heaven on earth. We are going to reach some ultimate end state uh, where everything will be perfect and everything will be wonderful and, and everything will be, you know, exactly as it should be. We shouldn't have that expectation. We, we will not reach that. Um, but we're not free to not try. Uh, we have to do the work. We have to work at this. It is our responsibility to carry this forward. I think there's a another part of this that's not in that saying that to me goes along with this. And it, it, it really comes down to a partnership with future generations. I, I think it's the height of arrogance. I think it's the height of folly for us to look at the things we're doing as being done. Um, we often describe the difference between the traditional development pattern and, you know, the, the suburban experiment as one of uh, an incremental approach on a continuum of improvement versus an approach where we build things all at once and we build them to a finished state. If we look at historic development patterns, what we see is that it was all about doing the work. It was all about an incremental approach, one where we started with what we had and every day we got up and our goal was, our task was, the thing we were supposed to do was to take what we have and make things a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better day after day after day. The suburban experiment, the way we build today, is to go out with a, a, a perfect vision in our mind of what something should be like, what the ultimate end state should be, and then go out and magically overnight, like transform it, just create that, build that thing to this perfect finished state, and then, you know, wipe our hand, like walk away, like it's done. Now we have completed it. 
And, and I find that approach to be almost like the height of arrogance, right? The, the height of arrogance, because first of all, it's an imposition on future generations. It's not a partnership with a future generation. It's, a, it's an actually an imposition. We have built something, now it is yours. It is our vision, it is our reality, it's the thing we thought, now it is yours. You take care of it, you manage it, you maintain it, you, uh, you, you live with it, good or bad. I also find it arrogant to think that we know what perfect is, that, that we actually can envision it. So much of architecture, so much of engineering, so much of planning really is stepping back and saying, I can envision the perfect end and I'm going to go out and build it. That's what I'm going to do. And I, I find this just to be the, the absolute height of arrogance. It, it really, an intergenerational crime. Part of us having to do the work part of our responsibility to not finish the work, but to actually do the work is that we are saying to future generations, I trust you. I trust you to continue to do this work. I trust you to continue to take what we are giving you and make it a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit closer to perfect. We're a long ways from perfect today. Uh, this coronavirus pandemic, the economic fallout of it has, has laid bare all the fragilities that we see around us. It, it, it's, it's, laid out, it's laid bare all the fragilities that at Strong Towns we've talked about now for more than a decade. They're there. They're exposed. We can't ignore them. We have to deal with them now. Here's what success looks like to me. It looks like a good life in a prosperous place. And I think we should think of a good life as a life of meaning. One where we can get up and we can do the work. One where we have an opportunity to make things better day after day after day. That's what a good life is. A good life is not perfection. It's not utopia. It's, it's not, uh, you know, some, some covenant with God that we've, we've now reached this nirvana state. It, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it literally is our ability to do the work day after day after day. So what does a prosperous place look like? It's a place that gets better because of that work. It's a place where we go out and we do the work day after day after day, and we can see the results of that work. We can see things getting better. We can see things improving. We can, in a sense, you know, sit in the shade of our own tree, right? I think a lot of the anxiety we have in our places is that we see them not getting better. We see them falling apart. We see them deteriorating. We, we look back with nostalgia on the past, on, on what we thought, you know, was, was there. And, and, and we say, you know, why can't we create that today? Why do we seem so inept? Why are our places falling apart? But I think there's actually something deeper here, something, something you know, really deep and, and existentially human in the fact that our labor, our work doesn't seem to amount to much. The things that we do to create a prosperous place, the, the, the things that we uh, do often don't amount to anything. The systems that are set up 
to create our world and run it and manage it seems so distant, seems so far from our capacity, seems seem so remote from our ability to affect, that, that we just feel this sense of loss. I, I think it's loss not only of our places becoming lesser, but it's also the fact that we're not living a good life. We're not able to see our labor, our work, actually result in a place that becomes prosperous. That's what needs a change. And that's what can change right now. That's what the Strong Towns approach is about at its core, at its base, at its, at its essence. That we would all take ownership of our places, that we would all go out. And, and without the responsibility of perfecting things, without the responsibility of making sure that everything ultimately is perfect, we would go out and be empowered to make our places just a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and bring them closer and closer to perfection. Year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation so that we can look back and we can see a good life, a life lived in a a good way that results in a prosperous place, a place that looks more prosperous today, a place that is more prosperous today, a place that is more stable, is is more uh, just, a a place that works for more people, a place that we can be proud to say That's what we spent our life doing. That's what we spent our work bringing about. This is what we're doing at Strong Towns. This is the project. This is what success looks like. And if if you're on the bandwagon with us, thank you. Thanks for being there. Um, We don't require you to be a member, to be a part of this movement. Uh, there are all kinds of people out there who are inspired by what we're doing, uh, who are out there doing the work, and, and you inspire me. And I, I just I, I thank you for that. I thank you for what you do. I, th- I thank you for taking the time to be that person and do that work and, and build a, a prosperous place. For those of you that are in a position to help out, um, go to strongtowns.org, click on the membership, sign up to become a member. Uh, your donation to this nonprofit helps us reach more people. Uh, quite literally, like we spend the money reaching more people. We spend the money putting this message in, in innovative ways in front of more and more people. Um, our audience is growing by tremendous amounts. The reach of this podcast is growing by tremendous amounts. Um, it, it, that is all because of the capacity that our members have given us uh, to go out and do that work. And let me tell you, uh, you know, we're going through some difficult times right now as a country. Uh, we're having some difficult times uh, in our communities. Um, at Strong Towns, we are getting more requests than ever. And I'm here to tell you right now, uh, we are not hunkering down. We are not retooling. We are putting our foot on the gas. We're putting it, the pedal to the floor. And we are going all out to get Strong Towns ideas in front of as many people as we can, because what we are, what we need to do as a country, what we need to do as, as a continent, um, and and we had someone send us today uh, where they're in, where they're taking the toolkit we published this week and turning it into Portuguese. I, I'm just blown away. Thank you. 
we need to do this everywhere around the world. We need to help people get in a position where they can do the work and where that work results in their place becoming more prosperous over time. That's a Strong Towns approach. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being with me on this Member Drive Week. Uh, you all have a wonderful weekend. For those of you in the United States, uh, have a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Uh, remember the people who uh, have gone before us and, uh, and, and, you know, pay the ultimate price. And I think with humility, remember that, you know, this is a partnership between generations. We do have a responsibility to do the work and, and to trust in those that will come after us, that they will bring it just a little step closer to perfection. Let's all do what we can to build a strong town. And as always, let's keep getting stronger. If what I am is what's in me, then I'll stay strong, that's who I'll be. And I will always be the best me that I can be. There's only one me, I admit. Have a dream, I'll follow it. It's up to me to try. Oh, I'ma keep my head up high. Keep on reaching high. Never gonna quit, I'll keep it stronger. And nothing's gonna bring me down. Never gonna stop, gotta go. Because I know I'll keep it stronger.